Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 115 of the CU Insight Experience. This episode is brought to you by Qs, the leading talent development provider to the credit union industry, and I must add, also one of our very first supporters of CUinsight.com almost 13 years ago. So, do me a favor, after listening to this episode, head on over and check out the Q's podcast on cumanagement.com. We will link to it in the show notes. It's great content from thought leaders inside and outside of our credit union community. Uh, this is one that you just don't want to miss. My name is Randy Smith. I'm one of the co-founders of cuinsight.com, and I'm lucky enough to have conversations with the amazing people who make credit unions great, and I get to bring them all to you. I get to pick their brains and see if we can't find a few nuggets that we can all learn from. My guest on today's show is Lauren Culp. It's Lauren's second appearance on the podcast. I had her as a guest right after she took the reins of cuinsight.com as our CEO and publisher almost two years ago and thought it would be a blast to have a conversation with her now, now that she has a little time and experience with us under her belt. I had an absolute blast with this conversation. Think about getting your first chance to lead an organization, you're setting your strategic plan, and a mere few months later, a global pandemic hits. I'll, I'll chime in with my own opinion here. She handled it like an experienced pro, and we are a much better organization because of it. We talked about a lot today. The hacks she uses to create space to think strategically, what tips she has for new leaders or the those those of you out there who want to be a CEO someday, how to finesse the different personalities on your board. I happen to be one of those on her board. Ah, so anyways, she's done a good job with that and so much more, but you'll have to listen to get all these nuggets that, that are throughout the show. Of course, we wrapped it all up with the rapid fire questions. Most uh, have changed over the past couple of years since she was last on the show. So we get to know Lauren a little bit better. Without further ado, let me get out of the way. I give you my conversation with Lauren Culp. Enjoy. Lauren, welcome back to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me, Randy. It is. It has been almost two years. So uh, It sure has. What's happening? Oh, my gosh. Well, all the things, <laughs> as we like to say. <laughs> I can't even believe how much has changed in the last two years. It has been something, that's for sure. I, I thought it would be so much fun to have you back on the show. When you were here last, you were a brand new first-time CEO here at CU Insight. Now you've got a couple of years under your belt. You've led through a, a global pandemic. Didn't see that one coming. So you have that in your <laughs> toolkit as well. So I, I, I'd like to start with, you know, for other first-time CEOs or those listeners who, you know, that's the career path that they hope to be on. You know, how have the first, I mean, I'm going to ask it just really broad. How have those first two years been since, uh, you know, taking over that, that role? They have been so good, full of a lot of learning. I like to joke a lot about sort of trial by fire of, of being a first year, first year, not even just first time CEO, but first year CEO living through this once in a lifetime, we hope global pandemic. And, Brian Lee and I, um, he's a CEO over at Landings Credit Union, and we joke a lot about he is also a first year CEO going through this. And so <laughs> it's been a lot of learning, but it, it's been so good. I think when we're kind of thinking about the 
beginning of someone's CEO journey in general, I can't imagine how you could do it without spending a ton of time and investment in learning not only the organization that you're leading, especially if you're new to it, but then also really the people and the personalities and what has gotten us to this point. And then, and then just focusing so much on, on the market and who is it that we serve and why do we do what we do? So it has been a big learning experience for me. It's been a lot of fun. I think too, we, we've joked about you and I, Randy, it's sort of like building the ship we're sailing or building the plane we're flying. It's sort of the journey of, of being a first-time CEO, but it has been a wild ride and, and one that has been super exciting and inspiring for me. Oh, well, we couldn't be happier to have you. I I just have to say that right off the get-go. So any surprises or advice that you would give to someone who's getting that shot to lead a a credit union or another organization? I think the one of the things that has surprised me the most, and you hear people say it, and you can kind of expect it, but it just, it feels different when you're doing it, is that the CEO role is is kind of lonely. You know, you have the the organization that reports to you, you report to the board, and you're just this one little person, kind of like the point of the hourglass, if that makes sense. Uh, where, absolutely makes sense. Yeah. Right in the middle there. And and so it requires a lot of intentionality, I think, to find peers, to find mentors, to find people who you can rely on for advice, for input, for if you, the occasional vent, if you need one of those. <laughs> but I think too, you can't overstate the value of the people in the organization. And so I think that that is one, one thing, not really a surprise, but one thing that I've even seen a lot in myself too, of how do we really understand the people who are here, understand how we got here and, and make sure that everyone is kind of getting what they need because there are so many different people who want different things or need different things as they're working with us and on the team. Yeah, absolutely. That's for sure. You know, a, a topic that has come up quite a bit on the show over the last few years is the the relationship with the board. You just kind of mentioned that hourglass. Yours may be a little bit different than some since, you know, your board's just us two founders, Dave and I, but any any hacks that you've picked up in dealing with different personalities in that CEO board relationship over the last couple of years? Well, you'll have to tell me if I'm doing this right, Randy. <laughs> yeah, you tell everybody else how, how it's going. But I think from my side, you know, it's been a lot of understanding the differences in, in the board members. Some Everyone is different and everyone's sort of needs are different and perspectives are different. And so understanding, for instance, you know, you have a really strong connection to the credit union sort of market. Dave has had a lot of connection to the finance side. And so it, it's talking the language that you speak a little bit. And then also really understanding what are those things that matter to you. I think too, I, I would always say that the no surprises has been really helpful for me. I think we've always talked about, okay, this is coming up, you know, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, trying to be as transparent as you can. And I think when we're looking at sort of a board relationship, one of the best pieces of advice that I got is to make sure that if, if at all possible to make it so that the meeting is just a formality, you've already connected with the board, everyone's already aligned, you're already building the relationships outside of the meeting, everyone is on the same page, you have the meeting, you walk through the agenda, but really nobody is saying, oh my gosh, what is this thing out of left field? Or you know, you're not coming to the meeting and saying, now is the only moment that I have with my board, but it's really about keeping that connection going in between board meetings as well. Yeah, that's some good stuff. You've done a great job of that too. I think uh, both Dave and I have 
we, we feel like there haven't been any surprises, I guess you could say. So that's a good thing. Right. Uh, <laughs> well, thanks. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. We will too. You know, another, I, I, it was interesting because I do think you have such a, a great perspective through this. And I know you think a lot about this. It is that idea. And it's kind of a question that I've been asking this year on the podcast to, to everybody that's been on, but I was kind of tweaking it a little bit different for you just because I, I know you a little more here. You know, that topic of, you know, you, you mentioned the, the CEO role could be a lonely role at times, but it's also a rather unique role in the organization where, you know, you're, you're executing in the present, you're managing in the present, but you also are tasked to think strategically for the, you know, down the road, that long-term vision for, in your case, CU Insight. I'm sure a lot of leaders over the past year, year and a half have felt like they were putting out fires and not really having that, let's just say the crystal ball was maybe a little foggy, you know, so, <laughs> you know, how do you find that space to, you know, get everything done and execute in the, the, the present moment, but also find time to think strategically and look long term on the, you know, the direction you want the ship to go? There are a lot of different things that I think about when when we're talking about this of the sort of the balance between strategy and execution, especially in a CEO role. And it's going to be different, obviously, depending on the size of the organization. For us, it's really cyclical. We spend a, a lot more time on strategy t- sort of towards the summer, and then as we go into the fall and the end of the year, we're really looking more at the execution for the year ahead. But Tactically, there are some things that have really helped. I think just even managing my schedule and really making sure that I'm owning that, you know, it can be easy to sort of be um, at, at the whim of all of the meeting invites that you get in your inbox. But, <laughs> but I've tried to really be dedicated to if I can have a no meetings day, those really help because then your brain has sort of the space to just flow without having to really think about, oh, I have to get ready for this call or that, that you know, meeting or webinar. Um, so that's one thing. Sometimes I'll stack my meetings too. So if I do have meetings in the day, if I can have them back to back and then have four hours free versus only having 30 minutes in between calls or something like that, just those chunks of time have been really helpful for me and and really trying to find that space to be strategic instead of just being responsive. I'm also, I, I think too, when we think about the strategy piece, a lot of times for me, it it happens when I'm not at work too. Um, and so I think about sort of the phrase like work-life integration, even instead of work-life balance, where we think about you don't have to compartmentalize away your work, but you can kind of have work and life coexisting together. And I think about that too. Sometimes, you know, it'll be a Saturday morning and I'm reading an article about Peloton or, or about, you know, Tesla, anything. And I'm thinking, okay, how does that apply? How do these trends that they're seeing apply to us? And and really being able to learn from and understand strategy in other organizations. And, and then, you know, your brain just kind of naturally <laughs> kind of gravitates to the thing that you love to work on during the week too. And so that for me has been interesting too. I'm not even feeling like I have to compartmentalize away the strategy during the rest of my, you know, non-work hours. I, I think a lot of times making that space to relax and rest and recover has a, a really positive impact on, you know, later when I sit down to to write a strategic plan w- with the board, it's uh, it's a lot easier because all of those ideas have already been flowing. I, I think that's something that I've been so impressed with and that you do a great job with is like giving yourself that space, like blocking the calendar and it, you know, I, I know how hard you work, but just, you know, to have those, it's something I'm a firm believer in as well is, you know, meetings are more than the meetings. There's prep time as well, right? right, like, and, right. and it's that, and, and you get that spot. I, I thought what you said was uh, so spot on where, you know, if you have 
15 minutes or a half hour until your next meeting, it's not like you're jumping into a big project in that time, right? You're just not going to be able right. to get going. So yeah, no, that's yep. a, that is super smart to create that time. I was excited to ask you this question. So I'm, I'm a big believer in that, you know, who we are is shaped, uh, you know, quite a bit by the people that we choose to surround ourselves with. Uh, who does Lauren surround herself with and how have they helped you not only on your, your CEO journey, but your career journey overall? I love this question, Randy. And, and I think it's interesting because anybody who knows me has probably heard me use the word wolf pack or the phrase wolf pack. And, <laughs> and I like to think of it that way. I would say I, I have been so fortunate to have this really great community of people in and, in and out of the credit union industry who are just there's like like kindred career spirits or <laughs> like-minded people who I think are really dedicated to the work they do, dedicated to the mission of what they're doing. And also with the idea that we are all stronger together when we support one another. You know, it's not like you have to step on someone to get a, to get further up. You kind of all lift each other up together. And so there are so many people that I've been able to stay in touch with that I've sort of met through my credit union career and, and out external to the credit union industry also. But, um, you know, I, I could probably name for you like 20 or 30 people, <laughs> <laughs> but I would then I'm sure I would miss some of the really important ones. So I won't name them all, but what I think is so great about it is that it is sort of this give and take relationship where I, as, as often as I'm reaching out to someone else for support, three other people are reaching out to me for advice or support. And it feels like there's such a good balance when you've got this community and this network of people that you stay in touch with. And I think it's really staying in touch in that way that is that is almost just the selfless. Like I, I'm not staying in touch with you for what I can get out of it, but because I genuinely connected with you as a human and, and really enjoy you. And we have such similar outlooks on life. And I think, um, you know, when you find those people, it's not going to be everyone, but when you find those people who you do kind of feel like fit into your wolf pack, they've got your back and you've got theirs. And so, you know, even here's a good, a good example. Um, Julie Ferguson is someone that I was fortunate enough to work with during my time at the Filene Research Institute. I got to go out and help facilitate one of her summits, business development summit. She's got some really awesome stuff. And we stayed in touch and and not a ton, but you know, just enough to say, you know, thinking of you, hope everything's going well, that type of thing. And then when you were hiring Randy for the CEO role, she's the one who reached out to me and said, Hey, have you considered this? I think it would be a great fit. And I said, no, I haven't considered it. I don't know. And she was the one who advocated to me, you've got this, go get this role. This is going to be a great fit because she knew you, she knew me. And I think that's, for me, that has been a, obviously a really prominent example, but one that has happened more than once in my life where I've had someone who has been able to kind of connect me to the right opportunity or someone that I've been able to support in their career journey too. So it's, it's a real privilege to have these people in your life both ways. Yeah. Well, thank you to Julie. We're glad she uh, pointed you you here. And she was a former (laughs) guest on the podcast. So after this one, go find Julie's episode. We'll put it in the show notes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's actually a good time. I'm going to apologize now to our listeners for all the background noise on me. I happen to be and why I think it's a good time to put this in is Julie and I recorded our episode at the Akaska conference in in Kenya, and we were sitting by the yeah. ocean, so it was a rather loud background noise. And I happen to be recording this one uh, with you. I'm in Bon Air. There aren't windows, so I tried to find the quietest place in the uh, Airbnb, <laughs> but there are no actual windows, and it happens to be a rather windy day here. I think Hurricane 
or whatever, Tropical Storm Elsa is leaving behind some stuff here uh, from a few days ago. So anyways, uh, I apologize, folks, but we're, we're going to keep on going. Uh, so I, I, this is something <laughs> that you just, you, you mentioned in one of your last answers that I think ties into this is, you know, when you talked about the people that you surround yourself being purpose-driven, um, we know, you and I have been in the, the credit union space for quite some time. It, it is not that tough to find purpose in credit unions. But, you know, a question that I like to ask is, how do you make sure that you're not veering away from that purpose, whether it's professionally or personally, as a leader in our system, you're still, you know, kind of staying true to that that purpose that is that is driven you to be here? It's such an interesting thing when we think about the sort of the purpose, you know, when we think about credit unions, the purpose is kind of built right in and that makes it easy from sort of the organizational or the industry sort of perspective on what our purpose is, obviously supporting the financial well-being of, you know, millions of credit union members and consumers. I think too, though, when we think about purpose individually, a lot of times, um, this isn't necessarily going to look the same for everyone. And, and for some people, purpose could be a lot to do with their family or it could be to do with their team at work. And, and I think purpose also changes and evolves over time as you think about your sphere of influence. I've been, you know, been fortunate enough in the credit union industry and even especially in CU Insight specifically, our purpose being to connect the industry. I think it is such a sort of a natural extension for me of, of what I love to do and connecting people, connecting with people, getting to to talk to and support all of the wonderful people, both within CU Insight, both in the industry, external to the industry. So I think from that perspective, when you're staying purpose-driven, a lot of times I find that that happens for me in that community, in those times when we can sort of be human to human instead of like worker bee to worker bee, (laughs) if that makes sense. You know, a little bit of the we're, we're whole people outside of just the, the emails that we send or the meetings that we attend. And so I think it's a lot of getting to connect with those people. And then also, as we start to think about where we are heading, looking at just sort of the broader perspective from what is the credit union mission? How is that evolving? What are the needs of consumers? How are those evolving? What, you know, what can we do to really make a measurable impact? And in some cases, it's not going to be super huge but that's what i love about the credit union space is that you know you could your skill set could be accounting and you could say okay how does accounting change the world but you are one piece in this broader puzzle or in this bigger picture that is making a measurable impact and so whether or not the organization is making you know has that huge purpose which credit unions just naturally do <laughs> i think individually we can always find those ways too that we're whether it's developing team members or supporting clients or, you know, whatever it is. I think there are so many ways to be, to be finding purpose. But for me, it comes back to that human piece. It, okay. So that's, that, that leads me to another question then. How does your kind of mission or your, you know, your purpose benefit your team? Uh, you got a great team at CEO Insight. And then also you mentioned it earlier, uh, like, and I, I'm, Glad you feel that way because that's what I've always thought is like at CO Insight, we connect the credit union community to each other, right? Um, and so how does your, that purpose for you benefit the, you know, that, that CO Insight community as a whole? I think it's, it's such a privilege to be able to even say that we're, we're the ones who are connecting the credit union industry and are doing that. And so it, it's a lot of fun for me too. I think 
when we're getting to be, you know, out on the road and, and connecting at conferences, which we haven't done a lot of yet, but also, you know, that's one thing that we love, but also the digital side is so critical because we are living in this interconnected world. And, you know, see you insight. That was one of the things that first drew me to the organization is that you, you know, it's been digital its entire life. And so I think really recognizing the importance of being able to stay connected virtually the the purpose and mission you know that i i've brought with me of connecting with people of being able to support them i think from our team perspective it's been really really wonderful because there are like you said the c1 site team is incredible they work so hard and we have a lot of fun while we do it too and i think um it's been really awesome to be able to see the ways that the team has even grown and a lot of them, it's been sort of the invitation to take on more, to think more strategically, to grow individually. And, and that's been a real privilege. There's so much talent on our team specifically. And so that's been a lot of fun. When we even look at the CON Site community, I think it's a, sort of this interesting balance. You know, you've got so many super smart people in the credit union space. And it's been a lot of fun to be able to reach out to some of them and say, Hey, by the way, would you, would you like to share your, your story, your insights, your wisdom? And so for me, it's been almost this mutual benefit or definitely mutual benefit, but almost, I feel like I'm learning more from them (laughs) even than, uh, (laughs) you know, and we do, we do connect everybody together, but I, I think I feel like I have a good end of the deal here. (laughs) I I understand that. I I have to tell you, and you've heard me say this, and I think the, the rest of the team has as well, you know, one of the, things over the past year that just blew me away. And it was like one of those feelings that I had initially when we actually started the community section of CU Insight was what you and your team did with Minicon. And the part of it more than anything that like just lit me up and made me smile was watching all the interaction in the chat, right? Like where it was like you talk about connecting. It was you know, people jumping on like, hey, I'm here from Denver. Oh, hey, look who's here. You know, I mean, just like back and yep. forth in the chat the entire time it was going on. And we will link to Minicon as well. We're, we're not going to miss Woo-hoo. that pitch, right? Like, uh, so we've, got, <laughs> we've got another one coming up in the fall right after this comes out. Yep. So, But that was something where, like, even thinking about it right now, I, it just makes me smile just to think about connecting people that way. So I know. It's, it's incredible too. And I think about, you know, the, the unique ways that we've all had to learn to connect virtually over the last year and a half. And honestly, as we think about it, the, the virtual connection isn't going away. And in fact, it's really opening up the world even more for us to be able to stay in touch. So Minicon, I gosh, what did we have, Randy? 850 registrants. And so, uh, it's insane. And, and what a fun time to be able to connect with all those people that we hadn't seen and, and hopefully we'll get to see again sometime soon. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So a big picture question. I know I asked you this uh, the last time when you were on or early on, uh, but I, I'd like to just circle back because a lot has changed over the past couple of years. Is there something that you believe credit unions need to do differently or, you know, maybe just a uh, I don't know, think about it in a different way, like to maintain relevance in this like hyper competitive financial services space in the future, because we're seeing a lot of change. We've seen a lot of in- innovation I, going on all around us. I don't think any of us, I think we've all been pretty uh, pleasantly surprised on how much innovation has happened in the last year and a half. But is there something you think credit unions need to focus on or do different to uh, you know, maintain that relevance? I absolutely do it. You know, it's, it's a really pivotal moment for the credit union industry. I think we've seen the emergence of sort of these 
competitors or could they could be collaborators. You know, in, in fintech, we've seen Google getting in Facebook, getting into banking, looking at, you know, could Amazon be getting there? I think it's a really it's a critical moment because what we're doing right now is gonna is gonna dictate whether or not we are set up for success five, 10, 20 years from now or not. And even with all of the merger and acquisition activity in the industry, I think we we can't really sort of overstate the importance of making the right next steps from where we are right now. And I think what I would say, the number one thing that I would imagine to be the case right now is, is that digital experience that credit unions are typically, and not all of them, but typically a little bit behind on. And what we're seeing is that consumers are equating good member service, which we've always sort of said as credit unions, this is what we have, this is our identity, is, is being that great service. Consumers are equating good service with a good digital experience, especially because they're not going to branches all the time. They're not really seeing people in person. And so what do they have to to measure? It is how easy is it to do business with us and, and how much have they anticipated my needs? You and I, Randy, have talked about this a lot too. It's sometimes people can't tell you what they want. (laughs) You have to tell them what they want. And so how can we identify those problems as credit unions? How can we identify those problems for consumers and, and kind of tell them what they want before they knew it? I mean, if, if I had been asked 15 years ago, what kind of phone would I want? I would have just said like a cooler razor flip phone. (laughs) I wouldn't have said an iPhone, but now I probably never give it up. And so, you know, you know, until somebody tells me the next type of phone that I should have wanted. And so, it's that type of thing. You know, people wouldn't have said that they wanted an automobile. They would have said a faster horse, you know, that, <laughs> that old saying. And so as credit unions, our, our consumers, our members can't always tell us what they're looking for, but we see those trends and how they behave, how they engage with the world. And sometimes you have to ignore what people are saying they want in favor of the actual actions that they're taking. <laughs> One example that I always like to think of is when, um, you know, a, a member might say that they really care about those businesses that do good in the world or that are sustainable or whatever it is. But when it comes down to it, are they going to go with the better deal for themselves? Almost in every case they would. And, you know, so it's that sort of thing where it's like people say one thing because we have this idea of ourselves, but the actual actions that we take are maybe different. So from a consumer decision-making, you know, behavioral economics standpoint, I think it's really important to to realize that our members can't always articulate what it is they want. But digital experience is one of those big things. I couldn't agree more. I'd like to pivot a little bit here and let people get to know you a little bit better. Uh, Do you remember that? And this has been a fun question for me to add this year. But do you remember that moment that you were like, hey, credit unions, I think I can make a career out of this? Uh, Because most of us didn't grow up thinking, hey, someday I want to work in credit unions, right? So an an add-on question there. What did a young Lauren want to be when she was growing up? (laughs) I'll start with the add-on question. I wanted to be a librarian. (laughs) And I know I spent a lot of summers at the library and it just looked so cool to be able to scan books and stamp them with their stamp. And so I, that was what I wanted. But you know, in between like president or teacher librarian was definitely in there. So (laughs) I think, you know, credit unions, you're right. None of us really seem to have meant to end up here, but once we're here, it's, it's hard to leave. I think for me, I started working at a credit union in college. The really the only reason was because they had tuition reimbursement and I was going to school and I thought if I don't have to pay for one or two classes a year, that sounds pretty, pretty great. <laughs> and so I started working at the credit union. For me, it was a, it was a smaller credit union, really, really awesome. True North Federal Credit Union in Juneau, Alaska. And, uh, 
gosh, I, I also have to give a shout out to Lauren McVeigh, the CEO there. She's incredible, such a great leader. And uh, so I was working there and I got to sort of get my feet wet, I think is the, <laughs> the phrase I'm going for, but get, get my hands into a bunch of different projects and test out the waters in some different areas. It was super interesting to be able to to see the marketing side, the landing side, the operational side. And even though I wasn't in all of those roles, but to be able to, in a small credit union, wear all those hats. And so when we're thinking about, for me, it was kind of this moment of realizing that the industry is so much bigger than just even one credit union or one organization. And you're not sort of a silo. It's it's all of the collaboration and cooperation among the industry. And so for me, I, I when we've talked about this before, but when I got the chance to go to the CUNA GAC event, so the Governmental Affairs <laughs> Conference yeah. in DC, that was kind of that moment for me, you know, that mountaintop moment of, oh my gosh, there are 5,000 people here and they are all about credit unions and about supporting the financial health of so many consumers. And this is definitely something that I could see myself doing. That's fantastic. So yeah. taking a step back here a couple of years, you mentioned Julie said you'd be great at this, but what <laughs> was your inspiration to become the CEO and publisher of CUinsight.com? And, and then I would ask you this, has the inspiration changed at all now that you have a couple of years on the job? Yeah. Well, gosh, CU Insight has always been on my radar as forward thinking and we're just really unique in the industry and the ways that CU Insight has connected the industry, the way that it's sort of within and of the credit union space. It's not this sort of external trade publication. It's not even a unique trade. It's not even a normal trade publication in, in the ways that it operates. It's really, really unique in giving that voice to so many of the thought leaders and experts in the credit union space. But I just thought for me, the inspiration is to be able to be a part of the team that helps to do this and and digitally, speaking of digital experience, to do this really great job of connecting people digitally and looking at the ways that we could grow and pivot and expand. And so, and so for me, it's been a lot of, you know, I've followed organizations like the Skim um, or Morning Brew and all of these really cool, forward-thinking, unique, evolving media companies. And I think to be able to be a part of that at CU Insight and to help drive some of this innovation towards what is it, how do people want to connect? It's not the way that it always has been. I don't get a newspaper delivered to my house, but I still stay connected. And, you know, how does how do we look at what the next generation is of the ways that people want to connect with each other, with news, with, you know, all of the different people in the industry? So for me, that was, it was hard to pass up the chance, impossible, in fact, pass up the chance to be able to be on the team at CU Insight, plus working with uh, you and Dave and everybody here has just been a blast. And then as, as sort of the last couple of years have gone, I definitely think the inspiration has changed and evolved. Now I find myself constantly inspired by the way that our team has worked together to build new things and move in new directions. Uh, they've responded so quickly, for instance, to be able to build the the whole mini conference series <laughs> that we've got, the mini con series. That happened so fast and everyone was on board and working so hard and, and brought so many different skill sets to the table. So I can't even overstate how inspiring I found that. And, and as we're testing new ideas and everyone's thinking strategically, and, and it really seems that the entire team is so engaged and so committed to the work that we do. So now I'm inspired by the team. I'm inspired by what we can build together. And, and I think, you know, as Randy, you and I and Dave have worked together and the team has worked together, it's been really fun to see all of the, the new ideas and the visions that we have, some of which have come to life, some of which are going to come to life. And whether or not they're successful, I think the process of building and testing and, 
iterating on those is just is so fun and so inspiring and and truly coming back to that purpose has such a measurable impact on what we as an industry can accomplish. I have to swallow my ego a little bit here and and but doing that I feel very happy about it to give you and John and Robbie and Courtney and Linda so much credit on this when you talked about like turning around Minicon so quickly and launching it. I remember you asked everybody if they thought we should do it last November or wait till 2021 to do the first one. And you and everyone on your team said, we've got this. Let's do it in November. And I was the only one who was like, I think we need to wait till next year. That's too big of a lift. And you guys crushed it. I mean, you absolutely crushed it. So it was like, yep, I'm wrong. All right. I'm just going to get all the way over here. So I, I fully admit it. But yeah, that was uh, when you say turning it around, I, I'm not even sure it was more than a month to turn that first one around. It was just, it was crazy. It was awesome. Well done. They did everyone. such a great job. Yeah. Well yeah. done team. Golf clap over here. Right there. Is there, so let's, let's stick with the team here for a second. Is there something that the, the crew at CU Insight has heard you say so many times, they just like, you know, on a Zoom, you see them going, we know Lauren, and they can finish your sentence. You know, it's funny. This I feel like this also kind of came up in the last one. I feel like what I do so often is ask for input and collaboration from the team. So probably what they hear from me the most often is they'll they'll bring something to me or we'll be talking about something and I'll just say, what do you think we should do? And that is something for me that has been so insightful because a lot of times what they think is so so full of this different perspective and insight that I never would have thought of. And and then we end up doing exactly what they had. And if I speak first, sometimes I, I'm swaying the conversation. And so I always want to hear what they think. They're the ones who are the experts in, in their roles and in CU Insight. And so that input and collaboration has been probably the number one thing. So what do you think we should do? And then, you know, at some point as a leader too, you have to be willing to be the one who is responsible for the for the decision. You know, at the end of the day, it stops with me and you know, the buck stops here. And so at the same time, I think it's being able to support the people in in making those decisions that they think are right. And then we can kind of learn together through that process. Uh, I, I have to say, just if I ever get on the phone with you and you don't say all the things when I ask what's, what's up, uh, that I would... I, <laughs> I would be scared. That's the one that I uh, I, I yeah. fully expect. So you're <laughs> uh, like, what's going on? What happened? <laughs> so, anyways, uh, <laughs> is there a, is there a myth about being a great leader that you think is dead wrong? You know, maybe that saying that just makes your skin crawl and you you wish you never heard again. Absolutely. I think we have all these preconceived notions of what a good leader looks like. If if we said leader. Some of us might have the tendency to think of that person as a male, for instance, or, you know, even down to the way that typically men are more likely to be called visionary and women are way less likely to be called visionary, but it's not anything to do with actual leadership ability. And so I think that biggest thing that makes my skin crawl, if you, if you talk about it that way, is just the phrase natural born leader. I don't think there's any such thing. And and to be totally honest with you, if someone is sort of applauded as a natural born leader, I think a lot of times it's easy to develop an ego and to stop with the curiosity and the intentionality and, and the hard work that comes with being a leader. And so I think truly anyone can lead anyone who is willing to put in the work and the effort and and sort of check their ego at the door can do it and, and so i don't think that there's any any sort any sort of natural bornness to it it is really 
how how hard are we willing to work? How much are we able to support the people around us? And and really to be the one who is going to say, you know what, this this role is hard. It is a lot of work. It can be thankless, but at the end of the day, someone's going to do it, and that someone is is going to be me. And so I think anyone anyone can be a leader. It just takes the dedication to want to be a good one. Absolutely true, and the opportunity. All right. So, yep, you know, yep. outside, you mentioned this earlier, uh, work-life integration, kind of that, some of that strategic thinking you do on that Saturday morning, but uh, outside of credit unions, what, what do you do to recharge? Well, my, uh, pretty much every day I would start with some coffee, quite a bit of, <laughs> quite a bit of coffee, actually. That helps me recharge or uh, refuel, but I, I'm super active. And I think the the physical activity has been a big support in terms of my overall well-being and overall health. I think I can't overstate how much better I feel and how much happier as a person I am <laughs> when I'm when I'm able to be active. So I uh, I did pick up my Peloton in March of last year. So I've got some good Peloton classes in. I play a lot of volleyball. Madison has a lot of sand volleyball too, hiking, paddleboarding, pretty much anything like that. Um, so that for me has been huge. And it's funny, I um, had a knee injury a couple of years ago. And I think all of my colleagues at the time could kind of tell the the mood impact. I just was a little bit more stressed and high strung when I couldn't uh, exercise as much as I was used to. <laughs> and so I'm just a, a much happier, nicer person when I when I can do that. And even with the work life integration that that we talk about, you know, sometimes I remember we would be at um, you know at a conference or something like that, and a couple of credit union folks and I would sneak away for a spinning class somewhere or something like that, where you know you got a lunch break, go get a workout in, and come back. And so for me, that has been something that has been really critical to helping me recharge. Yeah, that's awesome. So it wouldn't be the CU Insight experience without some rapid fire questions, and the questions are rapid, but your answers still don't have to be. Uh, and they're a little bit different since the last time you were you were on the show. So is there something that you said no to that you're sure glad you did? I would say doing life the, and I'm in, in air quotes here, doing life the traditional way. I, I didn't go straight into college. I took some time off between high school and college trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I graduated a couple of years later when I, when I finished school, graduated a couple of years later than most of my high school class did. And my life took a weird detour. You know, I was an East Coast person, but I ended up in Alaska for a while. And, and it didn't, it didn't necessarily look like what I thought it was going to look like. And, and at the same time, it has worked out so well. And so I think not doing life the traditional way and not, you know, it's not school and then four years of college and then get a job and then work your way up. It, for me, it has been sort of this roundabout journey that has been all about putting one foot in front of the other, working really hard and approaching the world with sort of this open mindset of where can I make a difference and how can I grow here? And, and what is the next step? Even though, maybe this isn't what most people do. And and so I found that sometimes that path that's sort of less traveled is the one that gets uh-huh. you to the cool different places that nobody's been before. Uh, I love that you're speaking to my heart. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned the Peloton uh, last March. Yeah. Has there been a that recent purchase uh, that, that you can't imagine living without now that maybe you didn't know you needed? Yeah, well, definitely the Peloton. I mean, talk about changing consumer preferences. I never thought I was a big spinning class attendee, but I never thought I would want to work out alone. For me, it was all about the community of working out. And now I can't imagine life without it. (laughs) I will never probably go back to a a spinning class as long as I'm in my hometown because it's just so much more convenient to ride the Peloton. But 
one of the other things that for me has been an espresso machine. So oh, that's yeah. Nespresso with an N. Oh, um, okay, yeah. I have had one for a long time and then just upgraded to one that does not only espresso, but also coffee drinks and you can make iced coffee with it. And so uh, that is my new obsession, especially working from home. <laughs> it, it saves you money from running the Starbucks too. It over does. Time. You, it definitely bet. does. Jill and I have been, uh, we bought an espresso machine. I think it was our first purchase, like joint purchase oh, yeah. for us, right? And it's been, yeah, we don't we we miss it when we travel. <laughs> so, you, so you mentioned your your path after high school, and you know, taking some time going out to Alaska. What were you like in high school, and did you get in any memorable trouble you want to share with us? Well, honestly, Randy, I was kind of an embarrassingly high achiever in high school. <laughs> no, <laughs> I did I'm my homework and all of that. that. And, I know, and... right? <laughs> um, but actually, one of my most memorable trouble experiences was um, in third grade, and it just like sticks out in my head. I um, I think I said earlier, I, I mentioned briefly, I had wanted to be a teacher. Sometimes I would um, like pretend to be a teacher as a kid, and. I stole some chalk from my classroom because uh-huh. I wanted to use it on my bedroom walls and pretend that I was teaching. And I just remember my mom was like, how did you get this brand new piece of chalk? I guess this is back in the age of chalkboards. So anyone born, you know, <laughs> after like 19 or whatever is, is not going to really know that, that uh, feeling. But so my mom was like, where did you get this? And she made me apologize. Um, but my teacher actually brought over a whole bunch of chalk after I apologized and I got to take it all home and, and continue being my little teacher self. And so <laughs> that was my like super nerdy, super embarrassing. Like my, my only type of trouble experiences were being too, uh, too type A maybe. <laughs> uh, wanted to teach at home. So. so funny. I know. All right. So let's, <laughs> let's bring back the other uh, career path you were thinking on the, the librarian in you. What are you reading uh-huh. currently? And is there a book that you think every first time CEO should read? The book every first time CEO should read, I and I recommended it to several myself, is the HBR, so Harvard Business Review book, The First 90 Days, that the start of your CEO career is so important in setting the tone and the you know the the expectations that your team and your organization have for the rest of your career. And so those first three months are really critical. The book has a lot of checklists in it of, of what you can do and what to know, and you can use it sort of as a workbook or a kind of a guide. If there was a map for how to be a CEO, I think that's a great place to start. For me, what I'm reading right now, I'm super excited. Um, It's a book, one of the newer books from Melina Palmer called What Your Customer Wants and Can't Tell You. Ah. And so it's it's about unlocking consumer decisions with the science of behavioral economics. I actually have it on my desk right now. So what your customer wants and can't tell you, Melina, was uh, super, super inspiring. And uh, gosh, I, I just love reading her stuff. Hey, she is another former guest on the show. So yep. after Julie, go listen so to Melina's after this. So. Yep. Uh, <laughs> good stuff there. The, the random question, what's your go-to playlist or, or station that you're listening to currently? All right. So I'm glad you asked this question instead of the album question, because right, I had right. never listened to an album all the way to the end anymore. But um uh, what I might go to right now is actually Lewis Capaldi Spotify radio. And so Lewis Capaldi, just like singer songwriter, um, but I love his voice. He has some really, really great stuff. And then the radio for his sort of style is, is really good one on Spotify. So go check uh, it out. I, I will. I will have to. I, I love the radio stations, right? Like that are based yeah. around an artist. Cause they like, do a I great like job. One, then you'll probably like yep. these other ones. So yeah. And then you discover all these people that you never knew. 
So, so there's the, the question that I don't send guests, but you know it because you've been on before. What, let's, I wanted to see if maybe it's changed or if there's somebody else. So who's that first person that comes to mind when you hear the word success? I think the last time we, we did this question, I think I said Michelle Obama and my, my person this time is different. Second shout out for her though. You know, Julie Ferguson is kind of really inspiring me right now, especially (laughs) she's, uh, she's living part time in Italy. And so I've been watching her adventures on Instagram and. What I love about it, it, kind of going back to that idea of living life differently or, or not taking the traditional approach to life, finding those paths less traveled that take you to those cool places nobody knew existed. For Julie, it, what I love, gosh, Julie, I hope you're listening to this. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> what I love is just the uh, the way, and, and you know, Randy, you and Jill in your life has been a lot of this intentionality too of maybe finding those things that make you a happy whole human outside of work and how can you integrate work into that? And so seeing her being able to sort of live that dream of gallivanting around Italy and and Europe, but then also being able to support the credit union industry with the awesome work that she does in terms of biz dev. I I think that has been super inspiring when you think about success. It's not just getting to the top, but it's also having the life that you love. Absolutely. We'll have to link to Julie's uh, Instagram account, Trip Around the yes, Heel, so everybody can sure. follow along. It is, a, it is a fun follow. It'll so, make you jealous, I'll yeah, tell you that. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> so, well, thank you again, Lauren, for being back on the show. It was so much fun. I knew it would be. My last question for you, any final thoughts or asks that you have of our listeners today? My big one is don't ever be afraid to challenge the status quo. And especially as credit unions right now, we have to be evolving and being different. But even beyond that, you know, we'd love to stay connected with you. If you uh, are listening to this, come find us at CU Insight. We've got an email that goes out. We're on social media. I'm on social media. So stay connected, stay in touch, and, and check out Minicon, too. We'd love to have you uh, join the event. Maybe we'll get up to a 1,000 registrants here. That uh, would be fun. We hope to see everybody this fall, for sure. Well, thank yeah. you again, boss. I greatly appreciate you taking the time today. We will link to everything we talked about in the show notes. If you just mentioned email and all the socials, if, if people have more questions of you, what's the poison? Do you have a do you have a favorite email, Twitter, LinkedIn for people to get a hold of you? All of the above will work. I'm everywhere, but shoot me an email if you want the quickest response. But uh, if something's more convenient for you, I'm sure I'll I'll be there. We will link to all of that as well, all your contact stuff. So have a great rest of the day, Lauren, and please be well, my friend. You too, Randy. Thanks so much. Before we go, I would like to thank all of you for being out there and listening today. We greatly appreciate it. We would not get to have this much fun doing with what we do if it wasn't for you, the listeners. Uh, and once again, thank you to Lauren for being on the show and, and sharing her lessons learned and those hacks with all of us. And a big thank you to our sponsor, Cues. As I mentioned to start the show, make sure to subscribe to their podcast over on cumanagement.com. It's one of my favorites, that, that one that I don't miss. Uh, a couple more things before I go. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, the CU Insight Experience on your favorite podcast player, Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you happen to listen, we're there. And check out the CU Insight Experience podcast book list. You can get the books that Lauren mentioned and also every guest from every episode on the show. It's a great way to fill out your summer. And now we're going to be moving into fall here soon reads. Thank you all again for listening. Have a great day and be well, friends. (laughs) 